Good morning, and welcome to the Everyman Global Livestream. Thanks for being a part of the Everyman Movement. My name is Greg Monk, and I'm a father of four boys and one girl from the ages of 26 to 18. It's crazy in the Monk household, for sure. I have been married to Kimberly for the past 30 years. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, and I was combat promoted to corporal for my actions in the Gulf War. And I'm a lead pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. Kenny Luck is one of my best friends, and we have been doing ministry together for many years. And I'm honored and humbled to be with you this morning. I want to encourage you to, to download the notes. Click download notes and follow along. Why? Because we want you to teach a study on a Zoom call with your family, with your men's group, or at church. We put notes together to multiply this men's movement through you. So please, download the notes. Today we are kicking off part three of this new series called The Guide. I can't believe it's, it's been three weeks already. Um, in USMC boot camp, I was the platoon leader and I carried the platoon flag called a guide on. And in turn, that made me the guide. Most of us want to be good and faithful soldiers. And we know what the opposite of those things are and what they produce. What is guiding you is going to determine what kind of soldier you're going to be. Is the media guiding you? Are politics guiding you? Is Hollywood guiding you? Is wealth guiding you? Is pleasure guiding you? Or is God guiding you? Like me, some of you were raised to fend for yourselves. You had poor examples. You had poor guides. Last week, we talked about how a soldier's growth truly happens when we are rooted, accountable, and on mission for God. And in week one, we talked about a soldier's identity and how your truest identity is that you are a man of God. So if you have not had a chance to watch those, please check out parts one and two of the guide series. This week's monkism for you is, I will forever love you. That's how I say I love you too, uh, ever since I was dating my wife now, Kimberly, and uh, it's how I feel about my relationship with the Lord as well. Well, today on part three of the guide, we are talking about a soldier's surrender. <laughs> that word is, is difficult for me too to hear. Uh, a, you know, the definition of surrender or a definition of surrender is an absence of resistance. Surrender is not a word that is in my vocabulary. And, and never ever quit is another monkism I say all the time. The tension is that we are trained not to surrender, and rightly so. But as good soldiers who are men of God, we grow through surrender. I know it's, it's counterintuitive and it takes faith. In our relationship with God, victory spiritually comes through surrender to Him, which is the absence of resistance we so resist as men. So my first point this morning on your sheet is, a soldier's surrender stops resisting. Write that in, stops resisting. A soldier's surrender stops resisting. And in Mark 8.35, it says this, From who, for whomever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's that, that's it again. It goes against the grain. It's not the, the normal way we hear things. You know what? Putting off dying to yourself, delaying, tapping out, and not surrendering to God, 
and, 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 and delaying walking down death row with Jesus means that you may gain the whole world, but end up losing everything. And who wants to gain the whole world, but lose their soul? I know I don't. Jesus himself had the opportunity to gain the world when Satan tempted him in the desert in Luke 4, 5, and 8. But he found life and victory and obedience instead. You know, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be obedient. And through obedience, we discover true joy. You know, amazingly, the people who live obediently with Jesus are the ones who are really genuinely happy. Giving our life to Jesus fully and living as a person who serves others first does not take away from your life. It adds to it. A lot of you want to hang on to control of your life. And Jesus wants you to let go of it. That's surrender. You're giving up resisting. The flesh is resistant to God because we want to control things. You know, that reminds me of my own faith story in my book called I Surrender. There's multiple stories in my book from my childhood and through the Marine Corps and, and through what happened after I came back from the war. Um, and, you know, I don't have a, a chance to touch a lot on my childhood in this series that I'm doing for every man. But let me sum it up for you this way. You know, I grew up in a little chaos because my dad was an alcoholic uh, and he was a cocaine, he was a heroin addict. He was arrested 12 times for drunk driving and multiple other offenses. The first person I ever hit, I punched in the face was my father. So he wouldn't drive drunk. That was my first fight. The first time I did cocaine was with my dad when I was 13 years old. Um, the first time I had a shotgun to my face was when my dad's friend was on the couch to protect the family from the drug dealer my dad stole a Porsche from. I was around 11 and you know, unaware of any of that was going on. And I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I startled my dad's friend and his shotgun was in cocked, pushing my head against the wall and I peed myself. And I went back to my room and I shut the door and I put the toy chest in front of the door and hid under the covers until I saw daylight and fell asleep. There's so much more to my childhood, but let me just say that I hated my father with a passion. So much. Now, let me flash forward to when I was in the Marine Corps. On August 2nd, 1990, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Kimberly and I had been dating for seven months and, and we're in love. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And I didn't want anything to change, but it did. You know, a month prior in, in July, Kimberly went to a Monday night Bible study at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa with Greg Laurie. And she recommitted her life to Christ. It was real and it was intense for her. She came home and told me that we couldn't have sex anymore. And I was like, what? And that I couldn't stay in, in the extra room at her house. Now that's commitment. Of course, I didn't like it and I didn't understand, not at all. You know, I knew her family was religious, but what I didn't know was that Kimberly had been really serious about her faith when she was younger. When her favorite youth pastor had moved away at 15, she had lost her way. She asked me to go to a small church on Sunday nights called Coast Light, where her parents went. And I loved the music, but only went because my hot girlfriend asked me to go. I was kind of hoping she was going through a phase that would pass. I remember trying to make moves on her on a Sunday so, uh, so we wouldn't have to go to church. I would say, God can wait. 
but she didn't give in. She stayed the course, man. Looking back, I can't believe how much of a jerk I was, man. Jeez. You know, sometimes after church, we would go to dinner with Pastor Dan Pantano. I would ask him a, 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 a lot of questions, you know, why are, why are there starving people in Africa? And, and uh, you know, so you're telling me that Jesus was the first zombie and rose from the dead? You know, and how about this? If God is all powerful, can he make a rock he can't lift? You know, just these stupid questions. I mean, I, I couldn't have cared less about his answers or the message about God's forgiveness through Jesus that Pastor Dan kept sharing with me. None of it rang true because I didn't want it to. That's the bottom line. I just thought Christianity was for weak people who needed a crutch, something to believe in, to get them through the day, like a shot of whiskey or a nice jog. What had partially shaped my understanding of God, the church, and Jesus was that when I was 13, my alcoholic, drug-addicted father suddenly got saved. It, it seemed real enough because he started taking my brothers and I to a church in Huntington Beach. And we were there for, um, you know, all the, all the time, Wednesday and multiple times a week, just for a month. Then, instead of shooting up God, he was back to shooting up heroin. That cement, cemented this bipolar, my bipolar view of God. Sure, in my despair, I would cry out to him, but to me and those around me, those Bible-thumping, happy, faking, pleasure-stomping, nerdy little Christians were a bunch of wussies. That was my mentality. Even though I was running as fast as I could away from God, I had been through a lot, and God was softening my heart. He always seemed to put people in my life to get my attention, just like he's trying to get your attention, man. He, he was always putting lifelines out to me. Still, I never grabbed them or would hold them just long enough to get what I wanted. And then I was back living for myself. How many of us do that, man? For instance, my childhood friend, Tom Adams. I spent years of my life building forts in his backyard as his family had tons of scrap wood. We would make whatever we wanted without nails. Um, and his mom and dad would never let us use nails. So we could do whatever we wanted, but we couldn't use nails. Um, we came up with the most remarkable ways to secure forts that were our shelter from the pains of the outside world. The family would take me to their Catholic church and were always so kind to me. I learned the Lord's prayer for the first time because of them. A first spiritual puzzle piece in my life. You know, then my best friend from sixth grade on was Mark Davis. His family took me to church when my family, when my family was really starting to crack, when we really started ha having trouble. I went because they would always go to lunch afterward and usually it would be Shakey's Pizza. Sometimes they would let Mark and I have a large pizza all to ourselves. Man, the simple things that can drive somebody, huh? That's why I went. But they invited me because I was the kid they were trying to save. In fact, Mark would take me to church events, but I was a crazy kid in the back of the church bus, you know, at the all-nighters, making out with the girls and trying to cop a feel. Yeah, that was me. In high school, I would write stuff in my workout journal directed to who I thought was God, but it was a God I invented, someone who was supposed to be at my beck and call and do whatever I asked of him, like some sort of genie. And I think a lot of us men, we think of God like that. Well, in that season of my life, it was all about getting huge to play football, to get big, to smash other people, you know, even harder. And if those journal entries were read aloud right now, you'd have to cover your ears. The pagan, profanity-laden prayers I used to write revealed where my heart was at the time. 
yet God was never too far away from me. I remember playing football and I would make a cross across my, my eyes like that in, in, in the game. And I, I had this, this desire for to know God. There were times when my friend Adam and I would run on the beach at 6 a.m. because we had just seen the movie Vision Quest and we wanted a vision quest of our own. Adam would force me to say the Lord's Prayer before we started. Somehow, God, the true God, was always shining his light through the cracks of my soul. And men, if you're honest with yourself right now, you know that that's true. God is trying to shine, shine through the cracks of your sin and your pain and all that's going on in your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. Then there was other times in high school I would lie in my bed late at night and cry out to God in my despair, begging him to please make my dad sober. Please, God. At boot camp, I would go to Sunday services, maybe because it was the only hour you were left alone. Maybe that was what drove me there. But at the time, I liked the Catholic service more than the Protestant services because it felt more official to me. It felt more um, uh, pomp and circumstance. I don't know. It just felt more official. You know, I prayed every Sunday that God would make me the best Marine and that I would become the guide of the platoon and never lose it. I still thought God was a genie. This was my spiritual frame of mind and it would be put to the test for sure. So, you know, Kimberly told me she needed some space to get her priorities in order. Wait a minute, I said to myself, am I not a priority? Are you breaking up with me? No, she responded, I just, I just need some time. Well, I might not be the smartest guy around, but when a man hears that from his girlfriend, it usually means something else. I was confused and hurt. I just wanted to be with her. She had become my everything. She was my family. I, I, I loved her more than anything else. You know, I had never loved anyone as much as I loved her. She was everything to me. And I thought, you know, I was her family as well. A couple weeks later, after having the time she needed, she let me stay at her house in the extra room because she loved me, didn't want to lose me, and because I was her family and her refuge. Six days after that, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Operation Desert Shield began. 15,000 U.S. troops, 32 destroyers, and 100 helicopters and fighter planes arrived in Saudi Arabia. I was told that my unit would be going to Iraq. A flood of emotions came over me. I thought, is this really happening? I, 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 fell, in, I, you know, I, I fell in love and now I have, to, I have to go to war? This must be some kind of sick joke, God. You know, I, I might not make it home. I, I could die over there, you know? I was broken. Then for the first time in my life, I actually asked myself, what happens when I die? Fear started to overwhelm me. And I started searching for the answer to that question. I read books on life after death and started asking deeper questions to Pastor Dan. During my time of searching, my sister-in-law, Heather, her best friend died in a tragic car accident. And my brother, Rob, went to the funeral. Rob said that the pastor's message during the funeral was speaking directly to him. Men, have you been at church and you felt the message was directly uh, for you? That was my brother, Rob. You know, he then surrendered his heart to Jesus and became a Christian at that funeral. 
You know, Rob heard about a summer harvest crusade that Chuck Smith and Greg Laurie from Calvary Chapel were leading, you know, on Sunday, August 12th at the Pacific Amphitheater. You know, and it would go on for five nights until that Thursday. I was talking with him about my fear of dying, so he invited me to the event. Kimberly said, hey, that's the guy who does the Monday night Bible study at Calvary Chapel. You will love him. My brother Rob, his wife, Heather, Kimberly, and I went on Sunday night. The music was pretty cool, and Greg was super relatable and authentic. Toward the end of his talk, he asked people to repent and commit their lives to Christ. Hundreds came forward, filling the front and the aisles of the Pacific Amphitheater, but not me. Not that night. I was still full of anger and fear, mixed in with hurt and sadness. Why would God allow my dad to cause so much pain in our family? After all the times I cried out to him, I heard nothing. We left the event, got something to eat, and debriefed. I had so many questions, but there were, there were really all just a front to disguise my pain. They were, they were giving me good answers, but I wanted to hear something else. I had no idea what that something else was, but what they were saying wasn't really helping. They asked if I wanted to go the next night, and despite what I was feeling, I quickly said, sure. They were surprised. I was surprised. But something or someone was drawing me in. That night, when Greg gave an invitation to accept Jesus in, um, into their lives, hundreds more filled the front and the aisles. I was watching all this. But that night, my pride took over. Oh, you're too smart for this, Greg. These people have not lived what you've lived. All religions lead to God, Greg. God is what you make of him to be. These are the people you made fun of. All these thoughts going through my head. My brother asked if I wanted to go the next night. And I said, yes. I have no idea why. So it was now Tuesday night. The format was the same as the previous nights. The invitation was given and hundreds filled the front of the aisles. This night, my shame stopped me. I thought, how can God forgive me for what I've done wrong? I don't deserve his forgiveness. I'm not good enough. I need to get my life together first. You know, I didn't go. And I think Rob and Heather were disappointed that, that I had not responded to such powerful biblical teaching. They didn't say anything, but I could, I could see it on their faces. You know, I was still game to go the next night. So we did. Again, I was immovable that night. It was a Wednesday night. Control and fear were the excuses rattling through my brain that night. You're the captain of your own ship, Greg. You need to take care of yourself. Nobody, nobody tells you how to, how to live your life. God will just let you down like everyone else, Greg. You can't trust anybody. What will people say if you, if you give your life to Jesus? And I didn't move. Finally, it was the last night of the Summer Harvest Crusade. I had been wrestling with God every night and I had given every excuse um, of of, of, of how I could deny him. I had every reason in my mind, every excuse. We were way in the back because every night the crowds had been getting bigger and bigger. It was a beautiful summer night, you know, and uh, Greg Laurie was real, passionate, honest, clear and direct, as he always is. I loved how he spoke about current events and the Gulf War. A couple of things stood out to me on this night. First, he said, that being a Christian is not about religion, it's about a relationship with God. And, and he wants to have one with you. That hit a chord with me. 
I didn't like religion and, and wanted to believe I could have a relationship directly with God. Second, he said, the Jesus you read about in the Bible, the one in the manger, he grew up. He walked this earth and he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. Things were starting to make sense. It just wasn't that night. It was all the nights. Greg talked about how in the book of Romans, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I knew I was a sinner, that I was worthy of God's love. You know, that, no, that I was unworthy of God's love. I didn't feel worthy for it. And um, that passage resonated with me. Then Greg continued. It also says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I knew that sin and moral acts leads to destruction and death. I lived it firsthand with my dad and with my own sin. I wondered, I wonder what this was all about. I wondered what this gift that eternal life was. What is this gift he's talking about? I, I, I think I want this gift. Greg explained that this gift is Jesus Christ and, and what he did for us. And, and he says, he went on to say this, he goes, but, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then he unpacked what it meant to receive the gift of Christ and what compelled people on previous nights to respond and come down and head to the front and pack the aisles each night. He continued to read from Romans. And he said this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Man, my, my heart was already starting to beat quickly. Then Greg gave the invitation for people to receive Christ, just like he did every other night. And said, if you are tired of your sin and want to know with certainty that when you die, you will spend eternity in heaven, then stand up right now and come down here to, to receive Christ. The music started playing, and like clockwork, hundreds responded and went forward. I was wrestling with God. Unlike any other night, I was just wrestling. My legs were shaking. I was nervous and processing all the excuses from the previous nights. Then the music quieted, and Greg said this. He says, if God is pounding on you right now, if he's pounding your heart right now, don't let pride stop you from coming forward. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus says in Luke, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We are all rejoicing for all of you who have come forward. And so are the angels. Everyone cheered. And then he said, come just as you are. God loves you just as you are. Come. I put my head and tears started running down my face. I said to myself, I, I don't want this anger, this pain, this burden. The music got quiet. And then Greg said this, in Matthew, Jesus says this, but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. In Romans, and Paul declares, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you feel condemned, he said? It's not too late. There's plenty of room. God loves you. And at that, that was it. I surrendered. I tapped out. I gave up my anger, my pride, my shame, my false knowledge, and I gave my pain to Christ. I stood up with, with tears streaming down my face. And just, just like I am now after 30 years, 
I'm, I'm right there at that moment. And the people around me started to cheer for me, clapping wildly. Kimby grabbed my hand and asked, you know, do you want me to go with you? I said, no, I need to do this myself. This is between me and God. So I made my way out of the row, you know, with strangers hugging me, patting me on the back while I was having a supernatural encounter with God. No joke. I was almost convulsing as I surrendered everything to God. I cast all of my burdens on Jesus, my pain, my hatred for my dad, my wrongdoings, my shame for aborting a child, my fear of death from the coming war, everything. I started walking down the aisles, but I, but I didn't make it too far because I was one of the last ones to stand up. Many people had already gone forward. And there were people in all the aisles, almost to the top of the amphitheater. But it didn't really matter because there I was, this 20-year-old hardened Marine entering into a relationship with God. I said, Lord, if you can help me stop doing the things that I know are wrong, I will serve you for the rest of my life, Lord. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to live for you. I want to be your man. I want to be your warrior. I want to be your soldier. I have never, ever experienced such a release of burden, followed by overwhelming joy. Greg shouted from the front, there's a party going on in heaven right now. Everyone began to cheer. People close to me were encouraging me and again, patting me on the back. He went on to say, if you stood up and came forward to receive Christ, repeat this prayer after me to him. And you know, men, some of you might need to, to say this prayer as well. Maybe my story has ignited something in you. Maybe it's reminded you of that you need to surrender your life to God. And, and Greg was up there and he led this prayer. He said, repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now, I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, I repeated those words and a weight lifted, you know, was lifted, you know, down to my soul. It was lifted. It was taken. I felt a peace that I had never felt before in my life. You know, I found my way back to Cambria and we hugged and I hugged Rob and Heather and thanked them for loving me enough to take the risk of asking me to go to this event and for dealing with all my crap. As the event was coming to an end, a voice over the loudspeaker directed those who had received Christ to see a counselor on the grass at the top of the amphitheater. I went and a person gave me a Bible and talked about my fantastic decision I had just made. He prayed with me and we left. You know what? 90,000 people attended the Summer Harvest Crusade, that first one that year, over five nights. Over, over, uh, over 4,000 people repented of their sins and confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, just like me. You know, I realize I've only seen a small portion of how God orchestrated all, all the things he did that culminated in that night. My whole life led up to that point. Despite what I had thought or imagined, he was always there and always moving me toward him through friends, experiences, circumstances, patient pastors, a loving girlfriend, a dedicated brother, a loyal sister-in-law, and even a broken father. He used all those things. All the times I would lie in my bed late at night and cry out to God in my despair, begging God to help my family and me. I thought it felt on deaf ears, but God answered those prayers. And, and as I would find out so much more, I thank God for all the people that he put along my path who would ultimately bring me to the cross of Christ. 
That night was and still is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I was so raw and didn't know much, but I knew that I knew that 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 God was God and I wasn't. And Psalm 40 became my life verse that night. And I know it will speak to you. And it says this, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, for me, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there'd be too many to declare. And as I stand before you this morning, man, I can tell you the miracles that God has done in my life from that point, there are too many to declare. There, it's been, there's been tough times. I went to war and I came back. Um, it's been hard, but the miracles are overwhelming. What happened on this night changed the course of my life forever. I may have been the guide for Platoon 2025, but Jesus became the guide of my life on this night. And he would lead me on the most incredible, blessed journey I could ever imagine. Some of you men can fully relate to my story. And God is speaking to you right now. He is pounding on you, just like he was pounding on me at the Harvest Crusade. Whatever has happened to you, you're a man who, you know, who doesn't trust it doesn't, you know, so many things can happen to you. So many bad things maybe have happened to you. And maybe you are that man that doesn't trust. You're resistant because you've been wounded. You've been burned because people have hurt you. So it's hard to trust. I Man, I get it, man. I, I totally get it. Stop resisting and just surrender to God who loves you more than anything. So that first point is a soldier surrender stops resisting. Stop resisting, man. Stop fighting. Tap out. Surrender your life to God. Your life will be changed forever. He will fear your life in an amazing way. He will bless you. Don't do it today. Don't delay. The second point I have for you is a soldier surrender starts trusting. I want you to write that in. A soldier surrender starts trusting. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Man, this proverb, man, is advising us to live a life of trust in the Lord because God is worthy to be trusted. It is our nature, you know, it's in our nature to, to not put our trust in something, you know, and to something else rather than God. It's, it's our nature to put our trust in ourselves. You know, we need to, consciously put our trust in the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If trusting God is to be true, it must be all of you. Don't put half your trust in God and half your trust in, in self or something else. You should work to give God all of your trust. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your trust. One of the most frequently asked questions among believers is, how can I know the will of God? We can know the will of God when we decide to put our trust in the Lord. We can know the will of God when we decide to not trust in our own understanding, but give intention and priority to God's word. We can know the will of God when we decide to acknowledge and honor God in all that we do. When we do those things, we can trust that God will direct our paths. 
We can go forward knowing that through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through the counsel of others, through godly common sense, and through life circumstances, God will direct our paths. A soldier's surrender stops resisting. A soldier's surrender starts trusting. And the third thing is this. A soldier's surrender starts cooperating. Write that in. Cooperating. Starts cooperating. You know, John 14, 21, it says this. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Cooperation is a relationship, a shared life, and union with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Cooperation is marked by knowledge of God's will. We know God's commandments and word. Cooperation is marked by obedience to God's will when we keep those commandments and word. Cooperation is marked by love, those of us who love God. Cooperation is marked by relationship and love from God the Father when we are loved by God. Cooperation is marked by a revelation of Jesus. This is Jesus. Jesus is in you. This is you. God wants cooperation. He wants to have a relationship with you. The truth will set you free. John 8, 31 says this, uh, 31 and 32. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we are Jesus' disciples, we must abide in his word. There is no other way to be a follower of Jesus. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. We, the only thing we have left to do is to abide, is to live in, is to dwell in, and is to make our home in Jesus. And that is his word. The truth is that there is nothing like the freedom we can have in Jesus. No money can buy it. No status can obtain it. No works can earn it. And nothing can match it. It is tragic that not every Christian experiences this freedom, which can never be found except by abiding in God's word and being Jesus' disciple. Guys, a soldier's surrender stops resisting. Some of you guys need to do that. A soldier's surrender starts trusting. A soldier's surrender starts cooperating. And lastly, my fourth point, a soldier's surrender starts winning. Write that in, winning. Do you want victory in your life? I know I do. Romans 8, 37 and 39 says this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Woo! Holy smoke, that is a passage you need to put on your brain, in your heart. You need to seal it on. You need to, those who like tattoos, you need to tattoo in there. That's a powerful passage, man. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, and I mean nothing can separate us from that. Praise God for that. That deserves an amen, a hallelujah. If you're sitting right there, say, thank you, Lord, for that. Nothing can separate us from that. Because of that, Jesus you know, has done an amazing work in us, you know, because of that work, because of what he's done, we are overwhelming conquerors. We can have victory. You know, we are more than conquerors is what it says. And with his love and presence inside of us, you know, in the midst of what is going on in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's when we start, start winning. 
We are more than conquerors through that, no matter what our circumstances are. None of the sufferings of this present time can separate us from the love of God. This makes us conquerors and more. That makes us victorious. How awesome is that? That's when we start winning. How is a Christian more than a conqueror? We're more than a conqueror because we overcome with a greater power, the power of Jesus, because we overcome with a greater motive, the glory of Jesus, because we overcome with a greater victory, you know, losing nothing, even in the battle, you know, even in the battle, we lose nothing because we have a greater victory. We overcome with a greater love, conquering enemies with love and converting persecutors with patience. Surrender is victory in the Christian life. When you release yourself to God's will and God's word and start applying it, you actually start doing God's will because of, because of your surrendered heart to God and to God's will. That's when victory comes. That's when you start to change. That's when you start to transform. And that's when you are blessed. And I know all of you want that. Every man here wants to be transformed and be blessed and live in victory. True love is a gift from God. He blessed me with someone to love. And then I came to understand God's love for me at that harvest crusade. The Bible says it, says it, it says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. That's 1 John 4, 7. The fact that we can even love is proof of God's existence. The fact that we can even love each other and love someone is proof of God's existence. God shows us that love really is, you know? He shows us how it is, how to love, and he shows us what love is. And he shows us how to love each other. The Bible also says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wait a second here, man. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. In our worst, in the, in the worst thing that you've ever done, Christ died for you for that. The worst person you can think of, Christ died for that person, died for that sin. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And I want to be men who love people, you know, and don't judge them for their acts, but love them and, and help them and point them to the way of salvation because I was lost too. And I, and I want them to come into that love. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. You know, I came to understand that love when I surrendered my life to him. And you can too. I received the truest and strongest hope of all, something I could cling to as I faced the brutality of war. You know what, guys? A soldier's surrender stops resisting, starts trusting, starts cooperating, and then starts winning. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you so much for this passage. I thank you for, for loving us, God. Lord, I thank you for making a way, Lord God. I thank you in all the pain and all the suffering, Lord God, that you directed me towards yourself. You prepared that moment in my life, Lord God, that I would surrender and tap out my life for you, Lord God. I would stop resisting and just surrender to you, Lord God. And you have blessed my life. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I pray for every man here right now that, that can hear my voice, Lord God, that is, is struggling with that, is, is resisting you, God. Is, is trying to cling and hang on to their life, Lord, when they just need to let it go and trust you, Lord, and see what happens. And Lord, I know you will bless them, Lord. Touch that man that needs to surrender his life to you completely, Lord God. And Lord God, I pray that we would start trusting you, God, more, that we'd be in cooperation with you, Lord God, with our life, Lord God. And then through that, 
through that uh, trusting and through that cooperation, Lord God, that, that we would have victory, that we'd be winning in our lives, Lord God. And I know it's, it's through we win even in the struggle. And Lord God, I thank you for that. And I pray for each man, Lord God, that's seeking to trust him and seeking to cooperate with God. And Lord, I pray for that man that needs victory, Lord God, needs to be reminded of who he is in Christ. Lord, bless every man here. We give you this, this, this message, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender to you daily. God, because we are good soldiers for you and we love you. We are men of God who love you. Lord, be with us now. Fill us on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Man, amen. God is so good. I'm, it's such a privilege and honor to be here with you. You have no idea. I am unworthy to be before you and sharing my story. And I, I thank you for being a part of this series. And I, I do, I want to ask you a couple things. You know, if you are a veteran or active military or Nova soldier or a veteran, I want to ask you just to do two things for me. One, first, would you please forward a link of this live stream right now to every man you know, especially those that have served and have served in our military? But, you know, this is for every man. This is for every person. Every, this surrender story, the way that God has changed my life is powerful. And I know he wants to do that in your friends and your family. So share this with them. And secondly, I wrote a book. It's called The Guide, Survival, Warfighting, Peacemaking. It's coming out in November, 2022. And it is a book about the crazy, funny, and sad, and all the moving stories that is my life. From my childhood through high school, the craziness in that, playing football. I talk about going to boot camp and then going to combat, coming back, and then how I kind of stumbled into ministry and just this crazy journey. You can go to my website, it's gregmonk.net, and you can order a, pre, uh, you can order a, a copy today, pre-order a copy today. I really appreciate it. And I'm so grateful that you're watching. Join us next week for part four of the guide series where we'll discuss a soldier's purpose and how God has plans for each of us and our lives. Never forget, man of God, that God loves you and so do I.